to Trashy Trashy, where we take a dumpster dive on this week's trashiest news stories and a look at all the garbage people. If you're enjoying this show, you can support us in two ways. Leave us a review or click support us financially by clicking the link in the show notes. My name is Erica, and I am your host. And my name is Cassandra, and I am your other host. My goodness, you really gave that intro with gusto. I I feel it. I feel like a jolt is in my spine. Love that. I love that. Sometimes I get that more, like when we record kind of more in the afternoon than in the morning. I can really just, I'm like, fuck yeah. I love to see it. I love to see it. You know what I miss, though, is I miss seeing you. I we are not on Zoom with each other today. We normally make eye contact, like an intimate lovemaking session. Yes, but uh, today we're doing something a little freakier and not looking at each other. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> I get my writing crop out and spank ooh. you if I could. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Wow, 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 wow. Cool. Hey, what are you trash this week, girl? Yesterday I ran errands in the morning. And I was feeling like a like a rock star. I was up. I was on my. I got a car wash. I stopped Ooh. at the Seven Eleven, and I went to UPS. What'd you do at Seven Eleven? Well, that's where the trash comes in. Oh well, okay. I sniffed that out, didn't I? <laughs> One of our unhoused neighbors, uh huh, opened the door for me, and I said thank you, uh huh. And so I went inside, and I proceeded to buy a water. And two donuts. Okay. And I was going to give one donut and water to our unhoused neighbor. And by the time I left 7-Eleven, they were gone. Okay. So I ate two donuts for breakfast yesterday that I had in good intentions for. Sure. You just took too long to make the purchase and leave. I didn't pull the trigger in time and I, I had to say goodbye. My head is swimming right now because you went to 7-Eleven to get a donut? It sounds like that was what you went for, right? I went to get a Monster Energy drink. Oh, Erica. Talk about burying the lead. (laughs) You take the girl out of Oklahoma, but you cannot take the Oklahoma out of the girl. You went for a Monster Energy drink and a donut at a 7-Eleven. Yes, I did. In defense of Monster... Oh. It is made in Southern California. Oh, so okay. I am basically drinking and eating locally. <laughs> yeah, it's farm to table. <laughs> <laughs> farm to table. <laughs> farm to table fucking octane energy drinks. I am um, putting jobs in Californians' hands and I am eating a local product. So I... This isn't any time recently, but I I was also at a 7-Eleven once, and uh, one of our unhoused neighbors um, asked me for some money, of which I had none, no cash at least. Said, "Sorry, I don't have any. I don't have any cash." And so I went inside and I made my purchases, which was likely like a giant bottle of water and a bag of Funyuns or something stupid. And and then I picked out another bottle of water for her. And a banana and I think like a bag of like nuts or something like that. And I gave it to her. And then I got back in my car, opened up my fucking Bugles, Funyuns, Cheetos, whatever I bought. And I was like, why did I just pick out a healthier meal for her than for myself? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I I didn't, I wanted her to get some vitamins that apparently I didn't 
care about me getting scurvy or whatever. <laughs> Gout. Oh. Yes. <laughs> the the disease of kings. Mm-hmm. Yep. You got to be eating pretty well to get gout. Yeah. And why are you trash this week? I have a historical trash. So as of late, you know, we've all been stuck in our houses and stuff. And I've been, you know, I'll, I'll spend time with my pod and my roommate and uh, my little boyfriend and things like that. And I will, my roommate and I got really pretty fucking drunk uh, a couple days ago for no reason. And I was thinking to myself, gosh, like COVID's really making me like drink to excess. I I can't wait for COVID to be over so that I, I drink a little bit less. And then I thought about it and I used to also drink this much just in public. So I was thinking about a time where we went out for Halloween. I believe I was wearing we went out for Halloween and I, I believe I was dressed up as like a doll or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my roommates was dressed up uh, as Nacho Libre. I think my other roommate was also dressed up like a doll. I think we were the dolls from The Shining. Anyways, we got so wasted, went to a bar, Nacho Libre fell down. Uh, I pushed the girls up the hill because uh, we lived on a hill. I pushed them up the hill on a shopping cart. And then we got to where I live, which you know, you open the gate to the parking gate and then there's, you go down a little hill for parking. I rolled down that concrete hill, like just to make everyone laugh, took off my dress so I could vomit. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I'm just trash because COVID has just moved my drinking. It hasn't per se increased or decreased anything. And that, that dawned on me recently. So it's just where you're doing the drinking. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, what are you going to do? I, you know, polished off a bottle and a half of wine last night myself. And then Friday was the drinking, you know, poker game. So I can't play that sober. No. And yeah, I've I've been noticing I've been drinking more often. I think more often is the is the key. It's not that I like when I do drink, I drink about the same amount. Like I just I I mean I get I get drunk when I drink. Like some people, most people do. Like except people with self control. But it definitely like more frequently because I I you know it's not about going out anymore. It's just like well I've made it another day. <laughs> yeah, it's a reward. <laughs> like huh, I'm gonna reward myself for not starting drinking at 10 a.m. by starting to drink at six. <laughs> That's all it takes. Mm-hmm. Would you like to get into the first story? Absolutely. This story brought to us by CBC.com, a Canadian newspaper. Weaker penis bones in river otters linked to oil sand contaminants in new study. Okay. So I talked to you about this a little bit before the podcast, but like I don't have like the reading comprehension skills, I guess, to read an article about science and understand. So will you please explain to the people what the fuck is going on? Yes, it may sound like a quirky clickbait title, but there are contaminants from water or or in the water coming from oil and fracking and trace elements and hydrocarbons. Wait, I'm sorry. What's fracking again? It's where you marry an old man off to a young girl, right? Or okay, yes. you ex- expel water or, or natural gas and oil from the earth by pushing chemicals down 
inside and basically flushing it out. It definitely sounds like more like the first one. Okay, carry on. Yeah. So basically, the more contaminants that are getting into the water, the penis bone of the otters are shrinking. Because they're getting too oily or too... they're getting too oily. Basically, river otters are considered a sentinel species, one that can register the effects of environmental contaminants before other species. So they're hypersensitive and brittle penis bones can impair the species' ability to reproduce and affect other species up and down the food chain. When otters want to fuck, you know, they got to make sure that they're as hard as possible. <laughs> now, what I did not realize until reading the story is that some animals have a penis bone. It is not a fleshy yeah. attachment as it is in humans. Some people actually ha- or some species have bones. Do you refer to human penises as fleshy attachments? <laughs> Those Icky, icky, fleshy attachments. That is some truth. Yeah, there's uh, animals that have penis bones. When I was in, I want to say, by the way, a a penis bone is called a baculum. So FYI, um, when I was in either elementary school or middle school, God, I hope it was uh, a middle school with the story I'm about to tell. We had a, a sex ed class. And uh, so, you know, we get like the, every sex ed class ever is taught by like an older woman, like an old spinster who just likes to bang, at least they were in the nineties. And so this, she's teaching us sex ed, et cetera, et cetera, blah, 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 what happens. And then she whips out a walrus's penis bone and she goes, here's a walrus penis bone. And she's waving it around. And it's like the size of my forearm, a child's forearm. And she's like, here it is, blah, blah, blah. Like, when you're a walrus, then they shove this right in you. Like, here's how walruses fuck. You know, she didn't say that. And she's like, would you guys like to pass it around? Don't worry, boys. You don't have these bones. Can you imagine if they did have these bones? Girl, I don't know. It was just like, it was like she was like just waiting. Like, this thing was like burning a hole in her purse. She was so excited to bring out this penis bone. As if it had anything to do with sex ed for children. That's insane. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's an image I will never unsee because <laughs> it's, again, it's like the size of a, a kid's forearm, kind of bent like a rib bone. <sighs> Yuck. What a talk about a boner. Nice. I was, I was, you think that's where it comes from? I think so. I guess baculums is a boner, is a boner, but like a, a true, real one, a true boner. Boner. In a study that showed mice and polar bears that have mammals with weaker penis bones tend to produce fewer offspring or none at all. And they think that this otter study will lead to a ripple effect in hunters and trappers living in northern Alberta. I'm sad for the otters. I am too. Can I mean, imagine a, a father otter explaining to his son otter the facts of life, but then he's got to be like, due to humans your penis is just going to be smaller yeah i mean i think that the generation of otters that's being born with these weaker penis bones is essentially like the millennials of otters or like their their parent otters are going to be like you guys are fine and then the kids are gonna be like no you don't understand like our penis bones are weaker and they're like when i was your age 
I built my penis bone up from nothing. It's like, well, when you were my age, everything was cheaper, dad. We weren't given participation medals just by ourselves. <laughs> God. Talking about participation medal, according to our next story from Yahoo.com, Wall Street Journal writer sparks backlash recalling Joe Biden kiddo and suggesting that she drop her doctor title. Ooh, did this story make me mad. So a writer of a Wall Street Journal opinion story encouraged Jill Biden to drop the doctor from her title. And he's uh, or this person. I'm guessing it's a guy. Uh, mm-hmm. It was Joseph Epstein. He uh, is getting a lot of backlash from celebrities, politicians, teachers. And he's surprised about that. He says that any chance you might drop the doctor before your name, Dr. Jill Biden sounds and feels fraudulent, not to say a touche comic. A touch. A touch comic. I thought that was a phrase I'd never heard before. A touche comic? (laughs) Yeah, no, that's a touch comic. That's well, just uh, that's just how touch is spelled. Just how touch is spelled. That's all right, Erica. Yeah, this, so this article was called, Is There a Doctor in the White House? Not if you need an MD. Madam First Lady, Miss Biden, Jill, kiddo. A bit of advice on what may sme- seem like a small matter, but I think is not an unimportant matter. Hey, Joseph, fuck you. Yeah, that's a big fuck you to, to Joseph Epstein. Yeah, Jill Biden has uh, an, a doctorate yeah. in education. Mm-hmm. From the University of Delaware. She's an English professor. She was working as an English professor the whole time that Joe Biden was the vice president, and she wants to do it again while he's president. Like, this bitch is a fucking doctor. Yeah, this bitch is a fucking doctor. <laughs> I don't know how else some to... respect on her name. Yeah, I don't know how else to say it. Like... You know, like, she's a fucking doctor. But I think in his head, what he says... Once a man said that no one should call themselves doctor unless they've delivered a child. A wise man. Like, who? Who's the wise man who said that? Was it you, Joseph Epstein? He claimed that doctor degrees have lost their prestige, adding that Northwestern University, where he formerly taught, doesn't require one. I mean... What the like is he watching too much friends and like mad that Ross called himself a doctor? Like I'm confused. Is that a too deep of a friends cut? Like I didn't think it was. Maybe so. Ross was a doctor. He was a paleontologist. Am I thinking of was no, he a he doctor? Was, yeah, he was a paleontologist. Oh, I know he was a paleontologist, but was he a doctor? I'm also getting it confused with the league where you know Andre's a doctor, but he's a dentist, and they make fun of him for that. I, Apparently, this is, like, a a laughable thing, but, like, fuck you. That's at least eight years of school. Let him call himself a doctor, dude. Yeah, they had to write a dissertation. They had to go to school for a very long time. Yeah, they have to, like, teach and, like, do specialized shit. You don't just get to be a doctor for nothing. I have an uncle who has a PhD in weed science. Uh Uh-huh. And... I <laughs> I love telling people that my uncle is a weed doctor and he's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I have a PhD <laughs> in weed science. Does he, use, does he use the doctor title? Yes, he does. I think you should. You did all the work. You should be. This just pisses me off. Well, who the fuck happened to Joseph Epstein that morning that he was like, mm, uh, well, fuck you, Jill Biden. Uh. 
I just hate that he calls her a kiddo. That's so disparaging. It's like it's hard to even take him seriously from the jump because he's immediately being so condescending to call Dr. Jill Biden kiddo. It's like, hey, kiddo, maybe you're not an actual real doctor. Do you ever mm-hmm. think about like, fuck you, you fucking dick? Dr. Biden, according to Doug Imhoff, who is married to Kamala Harris, Dr. Biden has earned her degrees through hard work and pure grit. She is an inspiration to me and her students and to the Americans across this country. This story would have never been written about a man. That's true. True. And then Kamala Harris patted him on the head. And said, said good, good statement, Doug. Good first husband statement. Second gentleman. Second gentleman. Oh, I love that. I love that. I love their shaking shit up. Oh yeah. So then the fir- so if she ever became president, she would or a female president, it would be the first gentleman. Are they gentlemen? I or would I would it be think man. Oh, because it's first lady. Ladies and That's gentlemen. Great- no, I guess it's gentlemen. What a fucking mouthful. Yeah. We should just have another man in the White House. That's too hard. That's too hard. <laughs> I don't like uh- it. <laughs> Speaking of stupid. Yes. <laughs> let's get to our next story. I thought this was a joke. <laughs> no, it is real. It has aired as of today, which is Sunday. Oh, wow. I want to watch it. I want to watch it. I want to watch it. Uh, what are we talking about? <laughs> well, of course, we're talking about the Lifetime and KFC matchup of A Recipe for Seduction starring Mario Lopez. Kentucky Fried Chicken and Lifetime are teaming up to bring consumers the perfect distraction for all things 2020. The Holiday (laughs) Lifetime original mini-movie, A Recipe for Seduction, featuring veteran actor and star of Lifetime's Feliz Navidad, Mario Lopez as Colonel Harlan Sanders. The first-of-its-kind 15-minute Lifetime original mini-movie is full of mystery, suspense, deception, and foul play. And the heart of all of it, love and fried chicken. <laughs> I, <laughs> well, they couldn't write a whole movie? 15 minutes? That's it? <laughs> to enhance the viewing experience of a deep fried holiday romance, consumers can order KFC on Uber Eats for delivery and get six free extra crispy tenders with a purchase of $20 or more. I'm good. Thanks. I'll watch the movie if it means I don't have to eat KFC. Viewers can share all the drama of this steamy holiday love affair as they watch the young heiress contend with the affection of a suitor handpicked by her mother. Mm. But when a handsome young chef- The Burger King, I'm sure. The Burger King. (laughs) When a handsome young chef with a secret fried chicken recipe and dreams arrive, he sets in motion a series of events that unravel the mother's devious plans. All right, so I I have a quick note. Is Mario Lopez young? No. (laughs) (laughs) I understand that he hasn't aged, but he's not young. He is handsome, and he is perhaps a chef with a secret fried chicken recipe and a dream, but he's not young. Unless, like, this young heiress, who might actually be young, like, the suitor is, like, 40 or 50, then maybe Mario Lopez is young. How old is Mario Lopez? I need to know this. Immediately, Mario Lopez, age. He's 40 fucking seven years old. He's no spring chicken, if you will. <laughs> I fucking will. I mean, I'm 47 year old 
Mario Lopez is playing Colonel Sanders in a fucking lifetime movie. <laughs> I did not have that on my 2020 bingo card. Oh, God, we should have done the whole fucking episode on this. We Where should knows- do a recap. Yeah, oh, a thousand percent. Yeah, we'll have to meet for a mini episode this week. Yeah, a uh, mini bonus episode. We're no, oh, well, Nelly said it. We got to do it. Um, we're no stranger to heating things up for the holidays, just like our famous fried chicken scented fire log. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine you show up to Romantic Cabin and it just reeks like KFC? No. Uh, like, that. People that is like neighbors to KFCs like sue them because of that smell. Really? Yes. That's wild. There's nothing sadder than getting the KFC bowl, which is just mashed potatoes, chicken nuggets, one. corn, gravy, cheese. Uh-huh. That was like my depression meal in college. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, the KFC bowl. I would eat those occasionally, and then that somehow got too gross for me. So my depression meal, that's when I you know, went to Subway, which we all know. I eat Subway when I'm sad. Fried chicken scented fire log. Man, this thing should come with a scratch and sniff like pamphlet to watch. This is the first ever lifetime branded custom mid-form content, which is a mouthful. And I don't know. I... Uh, maybe it's awesome. Maybe it's I, really I mean, well I'm gonna done. Watch. I'm going to watch. Hell yeah, I'm going to watch. We're going to watch. We're going to recap. Fucking, yeah. Whatever. Trashy, trashy exclusive. <laughs> and actually, you all should watch at home. It'll be continue. It'll be available throughout the holiday season on mylifetime.com slash Christmas dash movies. All Lifetime apps and the video on demand platforms. There you go. There's your free plug, Lifetime. You're welcome. You're welcome. Speaking of your welcome, mm-hmm. according to the dailybeast.com, Tulum's Burning Man knockoff became a COVID super spreader event. Doi! Submitted by listener Jess Gear. Thank you, Jess, for this story. Michelle could barely move. She describes experiencing a heavy fever, diarrhea, fatigue, and the loss of taste and smell. I couldn't even get out of bed, she recalls. Around a week prior, she had attended Art With Me, a four-day festival in Tulum, Mexico, describing itself as a community-driven festival that combines art, music workshops, wellness, and cultural experiences into a five-day, four-night journey to inspire change and nurture personal growth. It's akin to Burning Man on the beach, boasting towering art installations and group meditation and a whole lot of partying. Yes, while COVID-19 ravaged Mexico, claiming the lives of over 100,000 people and resulting in one of the world's highest mortality rates, the organizers of Art With Me were like, nah, it's cool, and they held their third annual festival from November 11th to November 15th. The festival website contained a list of recommendations intended to prevent the spread of COVID-19 from disinfecting surfaces and following CDC-regulated social distancing guidelines and mask wearing. A number of guests and performers who partook in this year's Art With Me tell the Daily Beast that there were no mask-wearing protocols or social distancing at the festival. Okay, yeah, no shit. No shit, no shit, no shit. I'm done. I'm done feeling sympathy. I'm done feeling sympathy for this Michelle character who is, you know, talking to the Daily Beast. Bitch, you went. You went Mm -hmm. to Mexico during COVID 
where everyone knows that they're really fucking bad. It's like, yeah, by the way, I was thinking about going to Carnival this year in Rio. You think I'm going to get COVID? Yes. Or I was thinking about going to fucking Sturges this year. You guys, stupid. It's so contagious. It doesn't even matter how you feel about masks or anything like that. It's so contagious. Well, what's outrageous is the way they serve food. It was all open barbecue finger food. Everyone was just grabbing it with her their hands, she remembers. Ugh, this God. Dirty, Michelle. like, festival hands eating finger food, barbecue. And you know how oh. I feel about festival hands. Yes, my God. We all know you don't like them, especially not when they're getting put in your mouth without permission. Art With Me offered a number of wellness and art activities during the day. By night, however, it transformed into an electric music fest with hordes of maskless people packing into hotels, restaurants, and cenotes, which are underground caves, to dance to DJ sets. I don't know why this was legal. B. Svendvinsen, who is a Danish DJ who performed at a a cenote um, during Art With Me, claims that he got COVID following the festival and that he heard of at least 17 other people. Doy, I, I literally don't like, what is this? What's, mm, I know that there's a story here in the sense that it happened, mm-hmm. but like, there's not a story here. It's, it's like, literally, you might as well have just written, on Tuesday, the sun came up. I just, I feel nothing. I feel nothing for these people. I mean, I hope that no one dies, of course. I also hope that the people around them don't die. And by the way, I'm just cutting down to deeper in the article. There was a uh, medical expert, a microbiologist from Hong Kong who works at Manhattanville College. And she said, I would say that 60 to 70% of my positives in the last couple weeks in New York City have been a direct result of either people coming back from art with me or who have been directly exposed to someone who attended art with me. That's absolutely wild. Selfish, stupid, unsurprising. Yep. The organizers have basically refused to take responsibility or apologize. Well, why the fuck should they? I mean, I I mean that in, I guess, a certain way of like, you threw the event, you shouldn't take responsibility if anyone gets COVID at the event, because of course they're going to get COVID at the event. So maybe the responsibility should fall on the people who would be stupid enough to show up at this point. I agree. You're not going to blame bars and restaurants for opening because they want to make money and then, you know, get mad or, and then get mad at them when people get COVID, when 15% of the COVID cases comes from dining in at restaurants. Like, yeah, of course it does. Mm -hmm. Like blame the people who went to the restaurants. As of the time of the writing, Mexico has had over 1 million cases of COVID-19 with more than 100,000 deaths. In Quantana Roo, the tourist-heavy state that is home to Tulum and Cancun, nearly 2,000 people have died from the coronavirus. The situation is so dire that in late November, the CDC assigned Mexico its highest level advisory level, warning that travelers should avoid all travel to Mexico. But in Tulum, the party still goes on, and many people are living in a state of denial. People just ignore the fact that there is a virus around, wear masks just because they have to in certain places like the supermarket, and live their lives as always, says a representative for Pluton, which is a digital marketing team that handles events in Tulum. This happens just in Tulum. The rest of the country seems to be taking it a little bit more seriously. I prefer Tulum's way. Fuck Fuck you. you. I don't know. 
I, I I don't know. I'm the whole story makes me mad. I don't know what part of it makes me more upset, but yeah, I think at this point it's kind of like the fire festival. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, no, it's not actually. We should blame the people who put on the fire festival, not all those innocent rich people who <laughs> had to eat uh, shitty sandwiches. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sandwiches. This is, the, this is the reverse of the fire festival. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But speaking of privilege, according to the RollingStone.com, Olivia Jade. Gianna Newley. Gianna Newley? She apologized, but it proves that she doesn't understand her own privilege. So Olivia Jade is the daughter of Lori McLaughlin and Massimo. Aunt Becky. Aunt Becky and Massimo, her father, were part of Operation Varsity Blues, which was shut down and investigated in 2019. Well, well-heeled parents paying an estimated $25 million in total bribes to elite college coaches and admission employees to get their progeny into college. Yeah. So if you don't know anything about the college admission scandal, it is juicy stuff. I believe I've already plugged another podcast about this, Gangster Capitalism. Uh, very interesting. She, uh, Olivia Jade, prior to all of this happening or right around the time when this is all coming out, she was bitching on youtube because she's like a youtube influencer and she's bitching out youtube about how like boring college was like oh god usc is so boring and i party all the time and blah 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 and then all this stuff came out so everyone's like wow you are the fucking worst you are tone deaf and your parents spent five hundred thousand dollars to get her and her sister into usc yeah and they have rowing scholarships so i'm sorry Oh God, I've I've got big opinions and I don't know if I should save them until we explain more about the story, if I should just fucking say them. Say them now. People are like, oh, well, we shouldn't blame children for the for the decisions that their parents made. Hey, guess what? If you got into a high college and you didn't take the SATs, you know what your parents are doing. Or if you got into a high college on a rowing scholarship and you're not a rower, you know what your parents are doing. You're 18. You are aware. Yeah. Like there's certain kids who did take the SATs, but then their parents had other people take SATs for them and they submitted the higher score taken by other people. And there are like some kids that I'm like, God, like you had to know that you were too fucking dumb to get USC. But all right, like, fine. You didn't know. You didn't know. You didn't know. She knew. She knew. you You don't go to rowing. You're not a rower. No. I mean, aside from just the awfulness that was Operation Varsity Blues and the the epitome of privilege and the fact that they knew, what I think the, the heart of this story is that she chose the Red Table Talk, which is Jada Pinkett Smith's talk show on Facebook uh-huh. to essentially help redeem her image. So she's putting the labor, the emotional labor on black women to help rehab her image. Right. I have an opinion. I have opinions about Jada Pinkett Smith and Willow and all those things. So, mm-hmm. uh, but I'll save them for another time because they don't matter right here. But it is an interesting choice, I suppose. I don't know if that was what was. I would be interested if like they just knew each other because, like, you know, like how super rich celebrities like know each other. Well, it says that Olivia Jade asked to be on the Red Table Talk, not the other way around. They didn't reach out and ask her to be on it. So. Jada Pinkett and her daughter Willow argue against this, saying that she shouldn't be held responsible for the sins of her parents and that it's unfair to place all the privileged young white women in a single category. 
she said, we know we're going to get heat, which is probably fair to point out at this point that heat equals traffic. No, doy. Olivia Jade said, this has been a really eye-opening experience for me and situation. And even though there's been a lot of negativity around it and a lot of experience and wrongdoings, it has held me completely in a different outlook on different situations, which is such a PR-fed bullshit apology. Like, your mom is in jail. Your father will be going to jail when your mother gets out, which is Is that happening? Yes. Is that happening with William H. Macy or no? I don't think William H. Macy. I know Felicity Huffman. She went to prison. Yes. Said she alludes to the fact that when I was applying, I was not fully aware of what was going on. And then the Red Table Talk women don't really press her on this issue. And BuzzFeed's Sakachi Cole put it, patiently, dutifully, commonly eat shit as the women hold her to account. With the pandemic and everything brought to the table, just how there's so much inequality and inequity that when you come to the table with something like this, it's like child please, Banfield Norris says. I'm exhausted with everything we have to deal with as a community. So Banfield Norris wasn't, she wasn't going, what's Banfield Norris's first name? Banfield Norris's first name is Adrian and it's Jada Pinkett Smith's mother? Yeah. 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 So we got three generations of them right here. So cool. That's fun. She she was uninterested in uh, little um, Olivia Jade. Good for her. Yeah. She wants a chance to redeem herself. She's looking for a second chance. So talk about, I mean, she, I just don't think she understands the privilege that she has is the point of the article. And well, yeah, because you get, it's privilege enough to just be able to like call some fucking publicist and go, I'd like to be on Jada Pinkett Smith's show, please. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think she's getting the most heat because she was an influencer, you know? Uh, yeah. And seemed to hate being in college besides the partying. Yeah. I mean, there's also that element to it. Like you got into college during like through like some sort side door kind of way and you didn't even fucking like college. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, California is like still like we voted against affirmative action again, which is just so stupid. I'm unfamiliar with what we did. It was one of the propositions this year. Got it. Our next story comes to us from hardboilednews.com. Sax player busted trying to burn down strip club after being thrown out. I I get it. <laughs> In Bridgeport, Connecticut, he must have thought a little TNA stood for torch and arson. <laughs> A one-time prominent saxophone player and son of former mayor of Bridgeport has been arrested and allegedly trying to burn down a strip club that refused to let him in. Stephen Moran, the son of former mayor Mary Moran, was thrown out of Scruples Gentleman Club last week for allegedly creating a disturbance. And as he was leaving, police said he set fire to a bush outside of the club, which was quickly extinguished. (laughs) I mean, that's... Okay, so there are degrees, like, grand grand and then petty uh-huh. and that is truly petty arson <laughs> yeah i mean the bush outside of a strip club is not the strip club oh but on friday night the next night 54 year old moran returned after being told he couldn't come in and he splashed a can of gasoline <laughs> on the building and then set it on fire okay that's fair so that definitely is the strip club 
That's arson. That's straight up arson. Yeah. Whoops. I was just on your side for a second, uh, Stephen. And then, yeah, <laughs> then he did that. Um, then you went and pulled that stun on me. So he was charged with second degree arson, reckless burning, and first degree reckless endangerment. <laughs> well, I mean, he wanted to see some TDs. I think it's crazy. He was a once well-respected saxophone player performing in the 90s with Tommy Dorsey Orchestra. But his life took a turn, and in 2018 and 2019, he had numerous alcohol-fueled arrests. Oh, no. Moran's lawyer asked for leniency for Moran, saying he needs to be home to care for his parents, who are both ill with coronavirus. Not the former mayor. No, not Mary. He's on a $300,000 bond. Have you ever been kicked out of a place? I'm I'm honestly racking my brain, and I have been asked to leave a tailgate party, which is an outdoor place. Oh, wow. What were you doing? I was probably blackout drunk and just being obnoxious and at like 21. I was almost kicked out of Dodger Stadium once. I was there with a group of friends and was pretty drunk. And I used to do this thing where I used to like to heckle the opposite team, but not with like real heckles, you know, like when I watched a ball, meta, I would like say like, you know, so-and-so evades his taxes and like, <laughs> like this person hates rescue pets. And like, I would make up like fake things, you know, that were just right. kind of like weird and not relevant to the sport. So I was getting drunk, I was heckling, doing my whole thing. And I think that I was getting a little too rowdy. Because, and we were up in like the nosebleeds and stuff, but you know, there's kids up there and stuff. And right. I, was, I was pretty drunk. So this guy had to come over and ask me to um, relax, which I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, which it's very possible I'm not because I was pretty drunk. I think I responded to by flirting a little bit and then he laughed it off and the game was almost over anyways. And so, yeah, we, uh, I chilled out and then we left. And then uh, the next morning I realized that I left my wallet at Dodger Stadium. So uh, I lose. (laughs) It was rough. Well, I'm glad you're with us today instead of in Dodger Stadium jail. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) You you would say that you uh, ruffled some feathers, huh? I certainly did. (laughs) And that brings us to our next story from NPR.org. Perfect. Voter fraud ruffles New Zealand bird of the year competition. I mean, here we are dealing with more voter fraud. More voter fraud. Evidence of election rigging has roiled the New Zealand's bird of the year competition after a case of ballot box stuffing threatened to derail avian democracy. Oh, give that article writer a Pulitzer. <laughs> I love that. Avian democracy. Suspicion began when organizers received more than 1,500 votes sent from the same email address early Monday. Each vote was in favor of the little spotted kiwi, according to a statement from Forest Bird, a, cons- a conservation organization that runs the election. Well, geez, if you're going to do some voter fraud, don't make it so fucking obvious. Yeah, you got to use different email addresses. Everybody knows that. You need 1,500 Gmail accounts. (laughs) It is an amazing bird, and it deserves all the support, but unfortunately, these votes had to be disallowed, and they've been taken out of the competition, Forest and Bird spokeswoman Laura Cohen told NPR Weekend Edition. I mean, this is an American Idol in the early 2000s, okay? This is real-life 
voting with real life bird lives on the line because if they don't win the bird of the year competition from what i understand they're all shot like skeet style yeah exactly (laughs) they take them out back and they toss them up Uh uh-huh yeah so you know we're we're playing with lives here this is the hunger games basically (laughs) i volunteers tribute Uh 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 I can only assume people are getting really excited about New Zealand's native birds, she said, reasoning why someone would want to cheat. We are a land of birds and have some amazing and unique species. <laughs> I mean, was this one email address called I own a kiwi papadu at gmail.com? Like, birdfucker <laughs> at gmail.com. Oh, man. Riding on the wings of a bird 69 at gmail.com. Voting will close this weekend, so the results should be announced by the time you're hearing this podcast. Oh, wow. I wonder where it's going to go. We should probably do a follow-up on this, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll, we'll inform you when we as soon as we hear the news, listeners, we'll put it out on our social media. If we can even trust the results. If we, yeah, this avian democracy is fragile. So, in an honorable move, the 2019 winner, the yellow eyed penguin, has decided to sit out this year's competition and let his winged counterpart shine. See, that's what politics should be like term limits. The yellow eyed penguin finished his term and is, you know, stepping aside for some new blood. If you really love the kiwi, Puka puka, then get out and campaign for them in Bird of the Year. We don't want to see any more cheating, the Bird's campaign manager, Emma Rawson, said in a press release earlier this week. As New Zealand's national emblem, Little Little Spotted Kiwi represents New Zealand's value of democracy, fairness, equality, and honesty. Well said, Emma. Well said. Oh, man. Speaking of honesty... Nope, uh, that's a terrible transition. I know, I think it's great, and I don't want you to cut it. I want it to be there. Speaking of honesty. According to the atlasobscura.com, we have some historical trash. It was once someone's job to chat with the king while he used the toilet. I love this. Groom of the stool could be a crappy role, but it came with great benefits. In the 1500s, the king of England England's toilet was luxurious, a velvet-cushioned, portable seat called a close stool, below which sat a pewter chamber pot enclosed in a wooden box. Even the king had one duty that needed attending to every day, of course, and he couldn't do it on his own. From the 1500s into the 1700s, British kings appointed lucky nobles the strangely prestigious chance to perform the king's most private task of the day as groom of the stool. So he would carry around the poop box all day with the velvet toilet seat, essentially. Yeah, and he would reveal secrets. He would ask for count. The the king would ask for counsel and could even hear personal and political woes of his personal groom and offer to help. Wow, wow. So it might sound like a crappy job, but it had some perks. The job likely began as a rather less prestigious position, but. 
In the private lives of the tutors, Tracy Borman quoted the earliest memory. Oh, the earliest mentions of the jobs. I almost said memories. I was like, geez, how old is this bitch? A written order from the 1497 for Hugh Denny's Our Groom of the Stool, which included black velvet with fringed silk, two pewter basins, and four broad yarns of tawny cloth. And he, oh, and that was for him to construct a closed stool. So you had to build the toilet too? Oh, this is sounding worse and worse. You got to build this like nice poop box with a velvet stool and like some privacy. And then you have to sit there and listen to the king talk about things and like smell his shit. Mm -mm. (laughs) During the reign of Henry VIII in the 1500s, the king's closest men of court were given the title often as a group. Prestigious gentry and noblemen hung out with the monarch on his privy room, acting as his personal secretaries with his undivided attention while he sat on the close stool. I mean, this was the original, like, drunk girls in a bathroom line. Yeah, no shit. Which is, if you've never been a drunk girl in a bathroom, that's like making an instant best friend. It's the best. I mean, honestly, there is just magic that happens in women's restrooms at bars when everyone is drunk. Like, literally, like, I, I, I love, I'm trying to, like, find the right joke for this without insulting anyone I know. I think that my, my sister's a pretty great gal, but a girl that I meet in the bathroom, well, that's one of the best people I've ever met. She's beautiful. Uh, she's beautiful. Stunning smart, deserving, doesn't need to get fucked around by the guy that she's with. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've never seen someone with better taste, fashion, hair. I've got, you just, it's something crazy. It's like, it's just permission to tell someone, a stranger, exactly all of your first impressions of them in a positive light that isn't creepy. Yeah, it's, it's truly magical. Like two girls can be chit chatting from, you know, in, in adjoining stalls that maybe know each other and everyone in line will just chime in. I mean, this is exactly what they're talking about with the groom of the stool. I like this now again. I mean, except that like drunk girls in bathrooms don't have to build the toilets. That's very fair. During the mid 1700s, the groom of the stool at the close stool itself began to fall out of favor. Sir mm. Michael Stanhope for Edward VI was the last to perform the full job and the last groom of the stool was technically James Hamilton for the Prince of Wales in the 1800s, though then the position had shifted to dressing duties and renamed groom of the stole, referring to the Latin word for clothing, stola. Torians, it seemed, wanted a little more privacy, and the tradition was exterminated. That's fair. That's fair. I feel like if I was one of those people and then I had to go poop, I'd feel lonely. It's like, why, oh, is the yeah. king, why is the king the only one who gets to have friends when he goes poop? And then I have to go poop by myself. I play chess with him. While you're pooping? Speaking of no longer necessary, according to the avclub.com, Piers Morgan says, I am not the bag lady in Home Alone 2. I fucking love the internet. Professional pigeon person Piers Morgan swears he has a lot of things. Stalwart protector of modern masculinity, concerned razor purchaser, mathematician. But there's one thing that he says he needs to convince a skeptical public that he most certainly is not. I am not the bag lady in Home Alone 2. Pierce Morgan desperately vowed yesterday on Good Morning Britain, his wide grin hiding the deep well of shame and resentment radiating through our computer screens for every fiber of his being. (laughs) 
Co-host Susanna Reed said, You are the pigeon lady from Home Alone 2. Your character helped save Kevin when he was cornered in the park by the wet bandits. It is not my character. I have nothing to do with it, Morgan pleaded to an audience of millions before Reed cuts in with a simple, elegant statement of truth. It is. (laughs) It's so fucking funny. We'll post the images of Pierce Morgan side by side the pigeon lady and let you decide, but... Pierce Morgan sucks. (laughs) Yeah, Pierce Morgan fucking sucks. And so I just think that, like, this is just, like, a very funny way to troll (laughs) someone who's such an asshole of, like, just refusing to say, like, no, I'm sorry. That's you. That's you, bro. That's you. Oh, God, that's funny. Even the way that this article is uh, written is, like, he's lying. He is. It's him. I just love it. I just fucking love it. <laughs> I recently rewatched Home Alone 2, and I know that this is hack at this point, but I still cannot get it under my head. What does Kevin McAllister's father do for a living? Yeah. Seven children, four adults, adults flying in first class to Paris for Christmas. I haven't seen Home Alone 2. Um, I've only seen Home Alone 1. And it's been a few years, but I do love that meme. And so I love you for it. Let's get into our next story. According to News18.com, Lithuanian anti-LGBTQ lawmaker caught with naked man during online parliamentary session. Because, like I said last week and probably many times before, there is no one gayer than an anti-LGBTQ lawmaker. Truly Step aside, step aside, uh, Billy Eichner and RuPaul or Kristen Stewart or Ellen DeGeneres. You're not the gayest people that exist. An anti-LGBTQ lawmaker, they're the gayest. In an embarrassing faux pas, vocally anti-LGBTQIA lawmaker in Lithuania was caught on tape with a naked man and yet another Zoom mishap. MP and eminent politician... Petrus Grazulis was caught on tape at home with the man attending while attending an online parliamentary meeting. Apparently, the member of parliament had accidentally turned his camera on while during the meeting, giving others a brief glimpse into his home. I mean, what was happening? Uh, a naked man was seen. Uh, there's a screenshot of the image. So, uh, Grazulis had in 2012 said that all gay people should leave Lithuania. And uh, the incident caused outrage, not laughter online. And he initially tried to claim that the man in the video was his son. However, he has soon changed his statement and claimed that the man in the video was a journalist named Andreas Tapinas. The MP alleges that Tapinas had been persecuting him for some time and that it was actually him in the video. To explain the bizarre claim, Grazulis hazarded that the journalist was haunting him and somehow edited himself into the live stream to embarrass the politician. Gay, 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 gay. Gay, gay. Come on. Just fucking, you suck. Admit it. Admit that you, uh, gay people don't suck. No, this guy fucking sucks. Mm -hmm. You are so afraid of your sexuality that you're saying that a journalist is haunting you and edited themselves into a live stream. That's some propaganda ass shit. 
Like, holy fuck. Just like, at least that one who was running away from that 25 man orgy last week was like, yeah, I broke some COVID rules. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, he didn't deny it. Yeah. I also, man, when are people going to learn how Zoom works? Yeah. If you can see yourself, other they people can see, can see you. you. This is crazy. Another time, an Argentinian lawmaker was forced to resign after being caught on live camera caressing his partner before appearing to partially pull down her top and kiss her breast during a virtual session of the country's lower house of Congress on Thursday. I mean, that sounds like a tender moment. Still, turn your fucking camera off. Turn your camera off. I don't know. <laughs> like, are you a recently elected member to a, any type of government? Here's how to use Zoom. <laughs> Turn off your camera. In June, Ireland's Luke Ming Flanagan appeared to be wearing no trousers as he discussed policy matters with his European Parliament peers. Who the fuck does wear pants during Zoom? That doesn't offend me as much, to be honest. Yeah, but getting caught not wearing, that's the problem. Yeah, I suppose so. Okay, so here's lesson number two. Okay, so lesson number one, if you can see, if they, if you can see yourself, they can see you. So turn off your camera. Lesson number two. Let's say your camera is on. Everything that you see, they also see. So if you can see that you're not wearing pants, so can they. Put on some fucking sweats. There's a, I think it's a Folgers commercial where a guy is not yes. wearing pants on a Zoom call. And yeah, it's and his like, like shitty laptop like falls closed or something. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm surprised that we've gotten all the way to December 2020 and stuff like this keeps happening. Yeah. I mean, I understand it happening, like, in April. Yeah. That was, like, a month learning curve. But the fact that this is happening recently is outrageous. <laughs> right? It's kind of like, okay, like, what the fuck? Anyways, this, I mean, this guy sucks. This Lithuanian guy is a fucking bummer, and he needs to make good with his with his maker and accept his sexuality and maybe uh, start apologizing Starting first with whoever the fuck that naked man was in his house, because I bet they're fighting now. Oh, I bet they are very mad at one another. Speaking of being mad, according to comicsans.com, what? A website for that font? I can't I can't justify where the news comes from. You're right. No, of course. How dare I? Rudy Giuliani's witness says voter ID in Michigan should be mandatory because all Chinese look alike. Ooh. Is this the same? This is the same witness who was different like different witness. Oh, good. Okay, so they had multiple, multiple um, garbage people testifying in front of Congress, and Rudy Giuliani farted. He farted. Like, oh my god, you you can't hold in a fart for long enough to do your stupid like hearing. It's wild. It's absolutely wild. I mean, Rudy's become a parody of himself. Yeah, man, way to go down in history as, like, the biggest, wait, what? In, like, ever. <laughs> like, mayor of New York City during 9-11, everyone loved him. And then he, I think, walked into a vat of radiation <laughs> and came out different. I don't know. Apparently, he's always been a piece of shit, though. In fact, didn't we did he, a whole story on that. Yeah, didn't, didn't he marry we? his cousin? He sure did. So, 
A huge component in this effort lies in voter ID laws that mandate that a person show a government uh, issued photo ID, which is just another example of voter suppression. Mm-hmm. And uh, they prohibit millions of Americans from participating in the democratic process. Mm-hmm. And now this woman is saying, well, we better have them because I'm a fucking flaming racist. Yeah, from 2004 to 2014, there were 31 credible instances of in-person voter impersonation, the only form of voter fraud that IDs could prevent out of a billion ballots cast. It just... The witness went on to say that a lot of people think all Indians look alike. I think all Chinese look alike. So how would you tell? If some chow shows up, you can only be anybody and you can vote and anybody can vote on my behalf. So ID would be the basic requirement. Wow. And she's Indian herself. Whoa. Yeah, that just adds another layer to this story. Did you hear, I I read this on the New York Times, which not to brag is a website that I pay for. And uh, there's like a 1500 lawyers or something like that are writing an open letter to the Bar Association to investigate Trump's personal lawyers, Rudy Giuliani being one of them, which is to say that just because you have a license to practice law does not mean that you have a license to lie. And Mm -hmm. I mean, he's farting. He's bringing up racist, insane witnesses. Like, yeah, why is Rudy Giuliani allowed to practice law? Yeah, at this point, I agree with having him be disbarred. Like, I'll let, uh, look, you got a lawyer and and they fart, fine. Every lawyer should have one fart. You get one prime example, like you're delivering your why somebody shouldn't get the death penalty argument Uh and you let out a little fart. You get one of those in your career. Yeah, but you don't get a fart and then on the same day, all this other shit. And then like so many videos of you wiping your forehead with your nasty fucking paper towel or whatever he carries around in his hair dye. He's just disgusting. This woman is awful. I mean, I have I have nothing to say that I'm sure that all of our listeners aren't already fucking thinking about this horrible racist woman. It's just, this is crazy. You wouldn't happen to be ready for something that we do every week, would you? <laughs> Why, I am ready. Are oh, you yeah? ready? Oh, yeah, I'm ready because it is the dumpster fire of the week. <laughs> If you're a fireman, please write in and let us know if that's what actual fires sound like. I've only seen them in movies. (laughs) Thank you. Oh, before we get into the dumpster fire, why don't you tell us about the correction that we got about uh, rabies last week? Oh, yes. I would like to give a big shout out to one of our listeners. Yes. Kenneth, who is one of our best friends. And he said... As I listened this morning, I heard you talk about your rabies dream. As long as your pets are vaccinated, if they are bitten by an infected animal, they will not contract rabies. There's also a rabies vaccine for people. Often veterinarians and staff are vaccinated for rabies. Now all you have to do is share this with your sleeping self. I love that. Thank you so much, Kenneth. That makes me feel so much better. Now all I know, like, is that, like, do I still hallucinate in the hospital? At least I know that my dog won't die. Mm-hmm. Wow. If anything, now my nightmare will just be me sitting on hold, calling care credit, trying to get an extension because <laughs> the vet bill is going to be expensive. I, yeah, 
I need to get pet insurance. I'm a garbage person because I don't have it. It's hard. I mean, with with cats, what are we to do? A different time. A different time. time. The dumpster fire of the week. Two California mega churches rebrand as strip clubs to defy government lockdown orders. The pastors of two California churches did a family-friendly strip tease in their Sunday services, removing their ties to mock the state's shutdown of churches while allowing adult establishments to remain open. By the way, this comes to us from disrn.com. Pastor Jurgen Methusis of Awaken Church in San Diego posted a video on his Instagram taking off his tie in front of the congregation. Strip clubs, not churches, are exempt from COVID lockdowns, and we are deemed essential by our governor. Said Methusis in his post, brilliantly intimidate or in brilliantly. What's the word? In, intimidate, imitated. What is it? Imitated. Oh my god! Why do we both forget that word? <laughs> brilliantly imitated by Erica Curry, which I haven't seen the video. I'm so I'm just assuming that what you're doing is accurate. So we have decided that we are now Awaken Family Friendly Strip Club, where we will strip the devil of his hold and power and authority over people's lives. Pastor Rob McCoy of Godspeak Cavalry Chapel in Thousand Oaks had a similar strip tease where he removed his tie in a November 22nd service before blasting the government and calling Christians to preach the gospel by defying government tyranny and contending for their neighbors' livelihoods in the public square. What's this guy sound like, Erica? You're contending for the welfare and concerns and the livelihood of your neighbors. That's what McCoy said again. Imitated by Erica really well. Love your neighbors as you love yourself. Those that are abused by being quarantined with their abusers. The elderly are lonely and isolated for no reason. No one gets to attend funerals of their loved ones. It's our responsibility to support folks. We are finished with your tyranny. So McCoy and his church have faced numerous penalties for ignoring government uh, orders in recent months. And earlier this month, a California judge ruled that strip clubs have First Amendment rights to reopen while churches are forced to remain closed. You know, in response, former Arkansas Governor Mike Huckabee said on Fox News that churches should reopen as a temporary strip club. How does Mike Huckabee sound? Oh, fuck. I don't know. (laughs) You don't have a third voice in the in the in the the chamber. (laughs) so i didn't realize i got to the end of your list of loud southern and then quiet southern (laughs) Uh, thumbs up my sketch career uh my sketch comedy (laughs) career Uh, uh, well give it give him a shot anyways see maybe he's you know i'm sure you got something else in there maybe like a, a a female southern for mike huckabee Churches should announce the pastors will remove his tie during the sermon, and therefore he will take off article of clothing, making it a temporary strip club so that people will be able to go to church. (laughs) That was my cockabee, which honestly, nailed it. Nailed it, nailed it, nailed it. Is that all you got to do in a strip club these days? Because I could use some more money. Yeah, I I got layers that I will (laughs) happily take off. Yeah, we could go like full like 
you know, like pumpkin spice season white lady layers, you know, and just go in and just like remove Ooh, our first jacket or scarf. first jacket and a scarf. How many layers would that be? I'm sorry. So I'm thinking in my head, like, okay, first of all, I have to take off a beanie. Of course. And then a giant scarf. And then my first jacket revealing, ooh, such a slutty card again. Maybe I'll take off my thigh-high boots. And then the next layer would be my thick, warm socks that go higher than my thigh-high boots. So right now I'm in a cardigan, two tank tops, and jeans still. And I've already taken off like how many pieces, like five pieces of clothing. I mean, like, I feel like I could do this. I think that if strip, if, if churches want to become strip clubs, then they need to be taxed. Bingo. And they should serve alcohol. And they lose their tax. I'd go to church if they served alcohol. Sure. <laughs> and food. Not just I'm just that describing a restaurant. Did. I just, I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> I think churches should be restaurants. <laughs> Tax them. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Well, it's a bad point. But I was going to say, you're doing church online. Just do your church online. But I guess you could do strip clubs online. But it's not quite the same. I know a lot of sex workers that have taken taken to the internet yeah. during this time. And I think it's pretty successful. Yeah. I mean, it's not ideal because of, you know, people like Bella Thorne and stuff like that. Did we talk about that on this podcast? We did. That garbage right. person. Ugh, boo. Yeah. This is very silly, and mega churches just want to stay open because they want money. Mm-hmm. Money. I mean, I'm just guessing. Maybe I shouldn't make that assumption, but I have a feeling that if you really were like, man, I love Christ. And you know what loving Christ means? Caring about others. And you know what caring about others means? Following the rules and staying home and not getting everybody sick with COVID-19. I agree. And I'm going to say it. I think that strip clubs should be closed as well. Yeah, doy. I don't even know why strip clubs were open. I don't know what the hell that has to do with First Amendment, but like, whatever. Oh, boy. Erica. Yes. What are you hoarding this week? I am hoarding sleeping in a little bit. Ooh. And just allowing yourself the minimum amount of time that it takes to get ready in the morning. Oh, we need Tell me more. self-care right now. We need to mentally have all the time we need. And I'm all for sleeping in as late as you can. I've got it down to an 18-minute morning routine. I take a quick bath. I wash my face. A apply bath? some moisturizer. I take a bath in the morning. <laughs> what fucking century is this? You wake up and you take a bath? Just a quick, just a quick one. I can't imagine waking up in the morning and and finding my grown adult partner in the bathtub, splish splashing around when they got to be at work in twelve minutes. It can be done. <laughs> I'm fucking, I'm shocked. <laughs> a bath. You draw yourself a. You got it down to eighteen minutes, and you have time to draw yourself a bath. A quick bath. I, I bet you could get it down to fucking ten minutes. If yep. you just took a shower. <laughs> I, I enjoy a bath. I don't want to get my hair, so you know, steamy. You it's, don't want to get your hair steamy. What temperature is the bath? It's not too hot. It's not too cold. It's just right. It's the Goldilocks of baths in the morning. Oh, my God. It's like Little House on the Prairie. Like, what? <laughs> you like, just go out, <laughs> take a quick swim in the well, and... <laughs> 
<laughs> you don't swim in a lukewarm bath every morning before work? Yeah, just a, a brief one. <laughs> How is this? I, I didn't realize this was so controversial. <laughs> I just think it's crazy. I don't know why. I think it's crazy. I think baths when I like really need it. And it's like at night where I can have wine and it's hot. It's hotter oh. than hell. Never just like, oh, uh, waking up in the morning, hit snooze a couple times. All right. <laughs> fucking time to fill up the tub <laughs> Ooh, nope i'm gonna need that to be the consistency of sink water hold on <laughs> gotta adjust it people with fevers take lukewarm baths erica <laughs> <laughs> like, at what point does someone come in and scratch your back with a loofah and like slowly drip a sponge on you to get you clean that would get my hair wet i can't have <laughs> that right. Oh my god, I just imagine you in like some sort of like wood barrel colored like trough, just like bathing every day. Like, this is self-care. What are you you hoarding? No, I want to hear the rest of your fucking routine. I I draw my eyebrows on after I moisturize. Eat a quick breakfast, drink a a monster, and then I'm at work by 9 a.m. Oh, my God. (laughs) 9 a.m. Okay, hold on. I'm coming for you, girl. Hold on. (laughs) So you wake up at 8.42 a.m. and draw, draw a tepid bath. You don't get your hair wet. You splash around for a little while, get out, draw on your eyebrows, have a breakfast that you probably barely have time for because you wanted to take a bath, and then you drink a monster energy drink. Sometimes the that- monster goes over the 9 a.m., and I'll I'll drink it till about 9.30. Oh, yeah, you'll take that one into the morning meeting? I'll take that one into the meeting with me. I mean, you essentially go from slowing down your heart rate in the bath to then speeding it up so fast with the monster. I got an EKG earlier this year. My heart is very healthy. Oh, I know. And now I know why. Because you work it out every morning. This is hilarious. I don't even fucking care what I'm hoarding. I I need to know. (laughs) I'm hoarding tamales, Erica. (gasps) Ooh, I love a tamale. So fucking good. Mm-hmm. they're just like i don't even need to pitch this i just i had tamales recently and i was like shit these are good i don't eat these often enough so I, i'm just yeah i don't eat them often enough that's the most accurate statement about tamales yeah, they're just fucking good and like you get a nice one like beef or chicken or vegetarian like spicy like oh tamales a friend of mine got tamales and i that's how i acquired said tamales is because she gave me some but she works with a woman whose cousin makes tamales and so she was like i'd like to order some tamales please and so then this woman was like okay they'll be ready on saturday you can pick them up from my cousin's house Her name is Josephine, but she goes by Pepe and her apartment is in North Hollywood. And that was all the information that my friend got. And that's how you know that shit's going to be good. Because the more inconvenient it is to get the food, Mm -hmm. the better it tastes. Like 
no apartment number, no address, also two names. Why? Which one do we call her? But it's Josefina, aka Pepe from North Hollywood makes some good tamales. So I'm hoarding that. Maybe tamales and like a, you know, 60, 70 degree bath. (laughs) Are you throwing anything out? I mean, I want to throw out your morning routine, but I'm not gonna, I'm not here to hate on you. Uh, <laughs> God damn it, Erica. I just want to throw out the coronavirus. I am sick of this shit. Yeah, I agree. I'm tired of it. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. I want, I just want everyone to go back inside and, and then I want it to go away quickly so that we can go back to, Oh, I don't know. I, I was watching a movie and like there was like a montage. It was like a not very good comedy, but there was a montage where everyone's like in a bowling alley. And I was like, I want to go bowling. Like, this is how bad I want Corona to go away. You invite me to go bowling. Like, I'm going to go. Yeah. What are you throwing out? I am throwing out passenger shaming videos. Oh, sure. Okay. Of people Explain being yourself. shamed in airplanes. Uh, traveling sucks. We are not at our best. No. And I think capturing someone at one of the worst moments of their life is kind of like, there's no redemption for you and there's no redemption for them because they don't get to, they go viral for being, you know, maybe a temporary asshole, but they don't have like a redemption story that will go viral afterwards so i mean being a garbage person once and then you'd get caught up and then it's like forever you're known as this entity and so i just think it kind of sucks yeah i mean i agree and we're not talking about like i guess the passenger shaming that we do on this podcast when that woman was rubbing that man's foot we're talking we're (laughs) talking we're talking about like someone going on a flight and being kind of a dick and maybe causing a little bit of a scene and everybody pulls out their fucking cell phone. Mm -hmm. That's just like, that's not cool. You know, it's like a black mirror episode. Like you're being filmed, you're being watched. It's the worst moment of your life. You're probably going to be apologetic for your behavior. Yeah. But you don't get to have that public apology. Like you had a public freak out. No, no, of course not. I mean, I think everyone is going to be like, yeah, I shouldn't have been rude to that flight attendant. I have been up since 4 a.m. and have only eaten a Burger King croissant sandwich from the airport that cost me eight bucks this morning. And I thought that my seat was here and apparently it's not. And I'm just disappointed that I paid this much and I didn't get like extra leg room. And then now all of a sudden I got this bag all the way through security and you're telling me it's too heavy for it. And like, fuck. Yeah. Yeah, you have like almost no control in an airplane. Yeah. And it's it's a very frustrating situation for everyone. That's not I'm, to say be a dick to a flight attendant no. like, and, and act like no one's watching. People are watching. It's just, yeah, we don't need to tank someone's life over having over a bad this. morning. Yeah, agreed. Don't be a racist. Don't be physical or violent. And just try not to be a dick. Just don't be a dick. That's like a good life motto. Don't be a dick. Cass, where can the people find you? Find me at Cass Cardenas on Instagram and Twitter. You can also find me every Tuesday night on the Nooner podcast on the Smodcast Radio Network. We've got Dan Etheridge is supposed to join us this Tuesday. He's the creator of iZombie and Veronica Mars and all that shit. And he was a former host of Nooner. He hasn't been back in a really long time. 
Hopefully he actually shows up and I'm not lying, but that should be a pretty exciting episode. Everyone really likes Dan. I've never met him before and I don't think he's real, but we'll see if we get proved wrong. That's awesome. Where do they find you, Erica? You can find me at Iconic Erica Curry on Instagram and at Gilly Gal on Twitter, where I am, I'm retweeting, I'm causing a ruckus. What are you doing? I'm just, I've stopped writing original tweets for a while and I've just been retweeting and it feels good. I'm amplifying. It's it's good. I'm amplifying other voices. Okay. Yeah. So find me there. You can find this podcast at Trashy Trashy Pod on Instagram and Twitter where we post videos, clips, and images from all the stories that we cover. And if you would love to submit a story, you can submit one at Trashy Trashy Podcast at gmail.com or tell us why you're trash this week. We'd love to know why our listeners are as trashy as us. Please, please tell me you're as trashy as us. Please, please be as trashy as we are. Everyone watch that KFC thing. And we'll release a mini episode sometime soon. Yes. Hey, Cass. Yeah, girl, what's going on? Stay garbage. You stay garbage, Erica. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.